0: My name is Lauren Fryder, and my husband, Drew, and I are lead pastors at Lift Church. We are on the eastern shore of Maryland. We want to thank you so much for joining us today, and we are believing that you will get a lift of encouragement. In in the Gospels, the Gospels would be the first four writers of the New Testament. Uh, Luke was also talking about um, what he heard Jesus say, and Luke was a doctor, and so Luke knew how to take prescribed uh, notes he knew how to study someone well before coming to a conclusion and this is what Luke said Jesus went on this uh, trilogy of stories and parables of what lost things mean to God like the value of lost things and I just want to um, start with the second one the, the middle one of the triad he, he says this Suppose a woman had ten silver coins and loses just one of them. Won't she light a lamp, turn on a light, sweep the entire house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in all of her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I've found my lost coin. In the same way, someone say same. In the same, the exact same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Do you hear what one? sinner, one person who's not right with God. Do you hear how important they are to God? It's so easy for you and I, uh, or, or if you've been in the house of God and been a follower of Jesus for a period of time, it's so easy to start labeling people, you a goat, you a sinner, they are wicked, they're just vile. They're all vile. They're all wicked. They, they <laughs> spew poison from their lips. they, they 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 all just can't wait for the day that we can have separation. But can you imagine just one thing that's important to you that you've lost before? And how excited you are when you find them. Many of you right now are thinking about your keys. That's okay. That's okay. Praise God I found my keys. Them smart keys cost a a fortune nowadays. I don't want to replace them. Some of y'all are thinking about your phone. Where in the world did that thing go? And where would my world be without finding my phone? (laughs) Some of you are thinking about your wallet. And in the same way you get excited about finding that, Jesus and every one of the angels in heaven get absolutely stoked when just one person comes back to the Lord. In fact, If you're taking notes, we'll start right here. Write this down. God feels the same way about sinners as I do about lost treasure. I have a feeling that there's many people who love God and have been in love with God for a very long time. And yet, put that back up there. Put that slide back up there. It's easy for this to have escaped our present situation. We forget That God feels the same way about sinners as I do about lost treasures. And if that's the case, if they are so dearly valuable to you and I. Come on, how have you gotten the last time? How have you gotten with your spouse the last time you lost something? Let's keep it 100, right? Like, where are my keys? I got to go. I was already late. You touched them last. I didn't touch your keys. I know where I put my keys. I don't know anyone who acts like this, but I'm just, I've done my study. And so I know that it might look something like, where are my keys? I got to go. Which one of the kids took my keys? The kids don't play with your keys. It wasn't me. I know where I put my keys. I put them in the same place every single time. And then when you find them, you're like, ah, they were here all along. Come on, you get so excited. You ever misplaced something like in your bag or your purse for a long time? Maybe in your car? You find that thing weeks later, and you're like, where have you been all my life? I wonder if God's not up in heaven going, where is Bob? Where is Where's Judy? Where is, where is she? Why hasn't he come? Where have you been all my life? He is in need. He is in want. He desires. We just spent a whole week away at vacation, my family and I, and we were at this uh, big place. It was um, Great Wolf Lodge. And if you haven't been there before, they got a lot of different things you can do. It's a big enough campus that it would be easy to get lost. And if I lost just one of our girls for a period of time, you know how frustrated I'd get with the other two girls if after looking for a while they said, Hey, what's for dinner? What are we doing next? What do you mean, what are we doing next? What song's gonna play? (laughs) No, the whole time I'd be saying, I've lost my kid. Like, my child is missing. Nothing else matters. And yet, sometimes we can get so caught up on things that just don't matter as much when God's looking for his lost treasure. Just one sinner, just one sinner. And God called you and I worthy of the team, and he said in Matthew, as we have read, Matthew chapter 5, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light unto the world, we are not called to keep this thing hidden, we are going public. Somebody say it out loud, going public. So, I'm going to finish this series on Labor Day weekend before we start a brand new series next weekend that you need to invite your friends and your family to. If you know someone isolated, if you know someone depressed, if you know someone in a dark situation, we sent so many of these to mailboxes, but it, it is better and more effective if you take one of these or the smaller size before you leave and you say, hey, I know of an answer. I know of a way that you can find life and life more abundantly. I want to introduce you to my church family. I want you to find a family. You can come just as you are. Would you do that with me? Because we start that next week with the two service experience times. But I'm going to finish this going public Series with what I call four principles of soil and seed. Four principles of soil and seed. So I'm going to read one. Maybe one last parable that Jesus uh, told some people listening. And this time it's going to be from the writer Mark who recorded what he said. But I need you to understand this, that many people don't share their faith. In fact, uh, a a recent Barna report said uh, just three years ago that almost half, 44% of believers say that they are fearful of sharing their faith with somebody who does not believe in the same thing. They're either fearful because I don't know if I'll do it justice or I don't know if I should shove my ways on somebody else's ways if they have different beliefs. But can I tell you that Jesus said, I am the only way. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No man comes to the Father. Got that? Like Write that down. No man except through me. So you tell me if it's pushy or not saying, hey, I want you to have life. Hey, I want you to have golden pearly gates. I want you to not have eternal torment for the rest of your life with no hope of getting out of that. I don't want you to have weeping and gnashing of teeth because I don't know what that is, and that scares me in my dreams. So the last thing I want is for you to have an eternity of going, it makes sense now. In a place like this, I know what weeping and gnashing of teeth means now. And Jesus, many of us think, "Well, I might fail if I share my faith. I might not do it right if I fail my faith uh, if I share my faith." But let me tell you what Jesus said. He said, "Oh, you will fail, and I'm okay with that." Here's what he said in the parable, that you will fail, and by the way, it's not even your fault you fail, let's check out what Mark recorded when Jesus spoke to a crowd of people, he had all kinds of people, believers and unbelievers, and I want to welcome you, if you're an unbeliever in here, if you're just checking church out, if you were forced to be here, if somebody grabbed your wrist and twisted it and said, you got to come, I want to tell you, welcome to Live Church, it's okay for you to just hang out and listen, there's no pressure on you, at the end, I'm going to ask, you one question so i'm just going to ask you one question but this message was spoken to believers and unbelievers and i need believers to really listen in to the homework assignment god gave us and the teaching that he was telling about the kingdom of god it says in mark chapter 4 um, starting in verse 1 once again jesus began teaching by the lake shore. verse 3 listen a farmer went out to plant some seed he said As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on the fertile soil, and they sprouted, they grew, and they produced the crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. I was reading this in my Bible the other day. I believe each one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you should be following him on a daily walk by spending five to ten minutes, if not more than that, in your word. But you can just spend five minutes a day with God and just read his word. And you might start by saying, I don't understand it. But after a period of time, it's going to start making things happen inside you. It will make a difference inside you. I once heard uh, a coach, Colton who led FCA, say, This Bible should have a warning that says, danger, if you read it, it will change you. I can remember reading it, not understanding it, and it was changing me and drawing me closer to God. And I read this scripture recently, and um, I've been walking with the Lord since 2002, so I've probably read this scripture um, maybe maybe 20 times by now. And so I probably preached messages on this, and yet God showed me something new that I wanted to speak to you today. Four principles of seed and soil. The Bible says after the portion I read that some of his disciples came and said, hey, you you speak in parables all the time? You tell stories a lot? Like you, 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 um, you sometimes seemingly speak in riddles? What did that mean? Like that story you told with a whole bunch of people who don't go to church, people who don't walk like us, act like us, dress like us, talk like us? You told that story, it seemed a little watered down in my impression. I don't know of any church folk who have called the pastor watered down. seemed a little watered down in my impression. How about you go a little deeper, Jesus, what did it mean? And Jesus does describe it, and I'm going to interlace Some of what he told the full crowd and some of what he told the disciples as I go through what I call the four principles of soil and seed. He says in verse 10, later when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around him, they asked him what the parable meant. Verse 14, the farmer plants seed. (laughs) That's what Jesus said. (laughs) You want to know what it means? You need to know the first thing and that is The farmer plants seed. He takes God's word to others. He describes, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of God, you are that farmer. And so you and I are called farmers. Reminds me of that terrible commercial that's so bad, it's worth showing again. If we don't take the message to the outside people. If we don't take this thing public, then the church will be nothing but FarmersOnly.com. Play that video if you haven't Where's seen Where's Jill? She's really lonely and out walking the cornfield again. Do you think they will ever find this true love? Not hanging out with us all day. We used to be lonely. Until we met on Farmers Only. FarmersOnly.com is the new online dating site. Farmers, ranchers, and good old Come country Come on, if folks. you know it, sing it. You don't have to be lonely at FarmersOnly.com <laughs> See, folks just Oh, don't if you're get at home, we got a church singing, You Don't Have to Be Lonely. <laughs> Listen, the church was not meant to be farmers only. The church, Jesus, when he told the parable, was not talking to farmers only. He was talking to people who were lost, people who were far from God, people who didn't understand it. And so he told it in a way that they could begin to have seeds planted in their lives and begin to grow. He told them, you don't have to be low. Okay, no, that's not what he said. (laughs) But this is what Jesus said when the disciples, the church folk said, God, Jesus, what did that story mean? He said, farmers plant seed. So number one is this. Plant seeds. Like you can spend years in a church seat gathering all kinds of information, gathering all kinds of wisdom. You can listen to the sermon I preached last week about six different ways that you can be salt and light, and you can be able to uh, recite them back to me in perfect form and pass some sort of intellectual, spiritual test. But you, it doesn't mean Jack if you don't plant seeds. You got to plant seeds. You're not called to be an expert at planting seeds. You're not called to have every bit of head knowledge. You have to sow. (laughs) You know, that's why I love when I was working on my master's degree at Southeastern University. I love what one of my professors told me. He said that in order to work at this university, In order to teach, you have to be actively doing what you are teaching other people to do. Because at a lot of Bible colleges, what happens is, retired pastors say, I no longer want to do the dangerous stuff. I no longer want to mingle around sinners. I rather just hang out with believers and teach believers. And they lose their saltiness. They lose their light. Their skills become unrefined. And... You know, that's why at Lift Church we have partnered with Southeastern University and we have a Lyft College which is fully accredited. You can earn a degree and take it anywhere. And last night we, we had an orientation, a spiritual impartation with our nine <laughs> students that are with us for the second year of Lyft College. They are on their way to earning associate's degrees, uh, bachelor's degrees, and master's degrees. And these degrees they could take anywhere. They could transfer them to Salisbury University. They could take them to University of Maryland, uh, uh, Princeton. They could take it to Yale. They could take it to LSU. Tigers, baby. Okay, anyway we got 13 coming to join us in the spring. I'm so excited about Live College. If you're looking for a place to grow, come check that out. But listen, it is of no value to learn what is right and then not do what is right. In fact, I wrote it this way, we all know that nothing grows if we don't sow any seed. We all know nothing grows if we don't sow any seed. If a farmer got lazy and he, he was having a bad crop field and he was running out of food, in fact, if he had run out of food and he was sitting on just a few precious seeds just trying to hoard them, wouldn't we say, bro, nothing grows unless you sow that into the field? Hoarding what little you got is not helping anybody, including yourself. God's given you a task and a calling. And did you know this? God expects a harvest. God picked you for a reason. He didn't just say, whoo. It was close, but you ain't going to hell. Praise the Lord. Job's done. Now there's other people drowning, but I got you out. Let's rest on it. Let's chill. Let's kick our feet back. No, he's. Expects a harvest. Matthew 9 says, Jesus said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 21, a certain landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Kind of looks like uh, earth, well provided for, Garden of Eden, set you up to succeed. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers, and he said he, he moved to another country. At that time of the grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crops. In other words, God expects a return on what he's freely given you and I. He's given you salvation. He's given you a new hope. He's given you a new start, and God expects a return on that. It reminds me of this agricultural sign I once passed and I had to stop and take a picture of it. Maybe this is what God's thinking. Spring is here, I'm so excited I wet my plants. (laughs) Maybe I'm, (laughs) that's funny, I don't care who you are. (laughs) So step one is eliminating excuses and sowing it, sharing it, slinging it, spreading it. Number two, the Bible says in verse four, Back to that parable, some of the seed fell on the footpath and then birds came and ate it. He later describes to his disciples in verse 15 that the seed that fell on the footpath footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Number two is this, don't get discouraged by disappointment. Jesus is trying to teach not every seed you sow is going to land. Some of it is going to land on hard hearts, on hard soil. In fact, when I read the parable, did you notice how much failure there was in that parable? There was was hard paths, there was shallow soil, there was uh, soil among thorns, and only only one-fourth of the seed actually fell on fertile ground. In other words, you're so scared of failure, I'm telling you, don't worry about failure. (laughs) If you swing, come on. In baseball, they they reward batters who hit the ball one out of every four times they end up at the plate. They say, you're a success, we're gonna pay you millions. And yet some of us are like, I can't share unless I get a hundred out of hundred. You're like me who went to school and you thought, if I don't get a four-boy, no, if I don't get a four-boy now, the whole world's gonna crumble down. I thought that. I did. I strove for it. You know how many people have asked me on job applications, hey, by the way, what was your GPA? Right. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> it's the fact that you win. It's the fact that you learned. It's the fact that you grow. The fact that you put yourself out there. And the same thing is true in the kingdom of God. you got to sling that seed, baby, and not all of it's going to hit because it's not all about the quality of the seed you're sowing, but about the receptivity of the soil it's landing on. In other words, quit holding it against yourself when you fail. Failure is inevitable, and failure is not your fault. Oh, I'm hoping this is releasing some of you. Some of you have been wanting to tell your friend for a long time about Jesus. Some of you have been wanting to uh, maybe just share the good news with a niece or nephew for a long time, and you've been holding back because maybe you won't do it this well. But I wrote this down. The receptivity has more to do with the soil than the quality of the seed. A farmer is not a failure for wasting seed. A farmer is only a failure if they slothfully sleep. I just land in my bed on my Christianity, I got mine, hope you get yours. If God doesn't rebuke the sower in the parable like, you lazy, messy sower... That's not what God does. He never rebukes the sower. Like, hey, you got some of it on rocky soil. You got some of it on shallow soil. Like, aren't you reading books and paying any attention? There's none of that. There's no rebuking. And if God is not rebuking the the, the sower, why would you be so unrealistic with your expectations on your seed sowing skills? Sometimes you just need to pray this prayer. God, I don't know if this is going to go well or not, but here goes nothing. (laughs) hey, you got a church home? You worship anywhere? How's your relationship with God? I I, I, I so remember one of the great preachers of the past uh, was not following Jesus, and this older gentleman said, I want to take you to lunch, and he took him to lunch, and he said, hey, you're you're, you're such a fine young man. You look like you've got a plan. What's your plan? What are you going to do after college? He said, well, I I was hoping to uh, get a job at a law firm. He was like, oh, that's a great idea, and then what? And he said, well, I I was hoping to move up as one of of the great lawyers in that firm. He's like, man, that's such a great plan. And then what? And he said, well, I, maybe, maybe I could become a partner in that firm. Maybe I could find a wife and settle down, have kids. He was like, man, that's a great plan. And then what? He was like, well, uh, uh, maybe retire, uh, have a good life, enjoy my family. He's like, that's so awesome. And then what? He's like, well, I guess at some point I will guess I'm going to die. And he said, and then what? We have got to begin to sow again. That guy went on to be one of the greatest evangelists of all time. Number three, verse five. He said in the parable, other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. And then Jesus later explained in verse 17, since this type of seed didn't have deep roots, those type of people don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted. Number three is this. Never cease sowing because some seed is short-lived. Never cease sowing because some seed is short-lived. You ever thought, I tried last time, didn't work very long. I don't know. Maybe I did something wrong. Maybe, maybe this thing doesn't work. Write this down. Never cease sowing because some seed is short-lived. In fact, I want you to have the same tongue twister I just had. Tell your neighbor two times, never cease sowing because some seed is short-lived. Say it two times fast. I think some of y'all are doing it way more than two times. <laughs> some, Jesus said, will not last. Short bursts of passions, yet unsustained. Have you ever thought before? Got to cough. Okay. <laughs> you ever thought before, what's the use? It won't last. This is wasted seed. This is wasted time. Pastor, don't even spend your time on this one. This is wasted soil. Have you ever thought that about someone before? Well, I'm so glad. Jubilee Fellowship in Baker, Louisiana. Small town in nowhere, Louisiana. On the outskirts of Baton Rouge, you didn't feel that way about this man right here because I was lost. I was on the road to hell If something happened to me at that time, if I had lost my life, and believe me, I was in a touring band, I was a part of gigging with a lot of bands, I once time sat in with a band to play bass with them, Uh, 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 um, their name was Fly By Night, okay, don't sit in with a band (laughs) named Fly By Night and then say, yeah, I'll ride with you to the gig." Because for the next four hours, the guy who drove a dually diesel manly truck in southern Louisiana pulling a big 24-foot trailer full of sound gear in the back of it, he drank for the next four hours as he got wasted on the microphone, and I sat there playing bass going, how am I getting home tonight? If they closed the bar door on me, I was so in the deep woods of South Louisiana, I didn't know where I was. I said I would ball up in the fetal position and cry. I don't know where I am. They didn't make no GPS smartphones back then. I'm old school. So I'm like, I have a flip phone. Hey, mama, can you go? No, I didn't call mama. It's 2 a.m. in the morning. This dude is drunk. There are ditches on both sides of the road in Louisiana if you fall off of the two inches of grace that they give you on the outside of that line you're in a ditch and if you got a dually diesel going 65 miles an hour in a 40 mile per hour zone with a drunk driver pulling a 24 foot trailer full of heavy equipment you know I'm going to die tonight and if I don't die someone's going to die And had he fallen off that road that night, I had a come-to-Jesus moment. I don't think I'm ready. I don't don't know how it would go. Some seed was short-lived, and yet this full gospel church of about a 75-member church, an all-black church, found me one day and said, You play bass? And I said, Yes, I play bass. And they said, You come play bass for us. You'll fit right in. I said I will. cause I heard y'all play music, and I fit right in, audially. I mean, I was in heaven. Y'all can throw down. Mm, I didn't see anybody look like me. But he promised me, so I went. I went that Sunday morning. There was nobody who looked like me. But that pastor and that worship leader named Moses... They started speaking in tongues. I never heard that before. I was like, what is that? They're like, you want to join us for pre-service prayer? I'm like, this Catholic boy knows how to pray. Come on. What are we doing? Our Father, Hail Mary, what are we getting on tonight? We're going deep? We'll do Apostles' Creed. I'm ready. I am ready. We'll Nicene Creed that junk. What are we going to do? They started, hold on, I was like, I don't know that one. I wasn't taught that one. I don't know what's going on. This, this white Catholic boy wins." Then big Moses, he, was, he, had, he had at least 200 pounds on me. Could play a keyboard, like it was, so, it was an amazing silky voice. Come up to me, put his arm around me, said, hey, Drew, you feeling good? I was like, once you start playing that music, I will. They started jamming, and I was like, no, I'm at home. I played bass at that church for about six months, and they sowed seed after seed. That lead pastor... Bought me a book, gave it to me, sat down with me, prayed for me, sowed seeds into me. Unfortunately, it was short-lived. After about six months, some of y'all who have been a part of that culture knows what I'm thinking. Y'all's church is too long. (laughs) Y'all lied to me. I thought this Catholic guy was taught by my daddy. It's a 60-minute experience a service a mass and some preachers some priests if you get up really early we'll do it in 40 minutes if you get there at 7 a.m and so we hit up a lot of 7 a.m.s because you can get it done quick and you got credit for that junk real quick and then you have me roll up in here we could go on three and a half hours and you're still saying i want to have an altar call and pray for everybody i'm like you ain't paying me enough of this yeah I'm, i love your music i love you people But I'm out of here. You see this fire exit? I hope no alarm goes off because I'm sneaking out the back door and I'm going home. (laughs) My seed was short-lived. I walked away from that church. I went back to my lifestyle. But it was just six months later that I ended up in a church like this. And that seed began to water. See, uh, 1 Corinthians 3 says this. I planted seed in your hearts. Paul planted seed and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. We have got to, s- we can never see sowing because some seed is seemingly short-lived because some of you are just called to sow seed and other of you are called to water seed that's already been sown, but you are working a garden that's already been planted in and that is a good thing because God is using it to grow. I gave my life to the Lord at a church called Household of Faith, August 27, 2002. I've never been the same ever since. And that day is because Jubilee Fellowship Church, strip mall church, 75 people sowed seeds in me for six months. Come on, never cease sowing seed because some seed is short-lived. And finally, number four. It, it, he said in a parable, Still other seed fell on fertile soil and they sprouted, grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even 100 times as much as had been planted." And so I need to finish number four. It only takes a small amount to take to yield an exponential harvest. It only takes one seed, and it will yield an exponential harvest. We've got to just sling that seed and realize that this is a proven time and time and again principle in the kingdom of God. That it only takes a little bit to have exponential results. God says if you'll give your first 10% of your income, I will bless the rest. I will rebuke the devourer. You will have God's hand over your life. It only takes a small amount to receive exponential blessing. God, Jesus said, it only takes a mustard-sized seed of faith and you can move mountains. I need you to understand, big things happen in small packages in the kingdom of God. And so it only takes just a few seed to take for it to yield exponential results. I want to finish with a story I didn't expect to share. But uh, I, I was on Netflix few nights ago any of y'all married folks um uh or 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 even just uh you you people watch netflix and you got friends who are like oh don't watch that without me and 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 don't watch that i'm stuck with stand-up comedy (laughs) nate bargazzi you got to check that brother out he's hilarious okay i'm stuck with that and finally i decided i'm watching this documentary not because I'm the biggest Garth Brooks fan, but I watched the unparalleled success in the country music industry. He was the first one to break through country alone and break into the Billboard national charts and international. And uh, so I, I just, I got stuck watching this thing. And um, he's, he's the only artist who's ever sold out Central Park in New York City. They said millions of people came to hear one concert. Millions of people. I don't care if you don't like him. I'm not advocating you go check him out. I'm just saying this. That's respect. Millions of people showed up. He once recorded a song called The Dance. If you haven't heard that song before, the song went number one for three weeks straight on the country albums Uh, A country uh, top 10. And in 1991, it was named the song of the year and the music video of the year. Garth Brooks would later say that uh, the dance will be the greatest success as a song we will ever do. If you're unfamiliar with that song or if you're going, "I I know some Garth Brooks songs, but I'm not sure if I know that one. It sounds a little like this. And our lives better than live to chase. I could have missed the pain, to the day. Come on, would somebody give it up for AJ, <clears throat> one of our newest members to our dream team, got a silky voice. Come on, that's an authentic twang right there. You don't want to hear the one my wife has to hear. Nora! Okay, sorry. I got taken back when I watched this documentary that this song that went on to define his whole career, made him who he was, was in this, he found in a dive bar called. Bluebird in the middle of nowhere. In fact, um, this guy, Tony Arata, was on stage singing this song, and there was only 12 people in this dive at the time. This guy, Tony, wrote this song. And he began to sing it with all of his heart and might. And when Garth heard that song, he was a nobody. And he he said, it was as if heaven told me. This is what he said in the documentary. It was as if a higher power said, you need to hear this song. And he said, every note was so articulate. I just think of Tony Arata singing a song with all of his might, so articulate, when only 12 people are listening. Had to have been discouraging. Had to have felt like an empty room, had to have felt like a waste of time, had to have felt like this makes no difference. Garth was so moved that he went up to Tony and he said, If I ever get a record label, if I ever get a shot, I'm recording that song. Tony laughed and he said, While I appreciated someone appreciating my song, I was I was still a UPS driver and Garth was selling boots at a retail store. We weren't exactly on the cusp of greatness. So I was flattered he heard my song, but I thought, no big deal. Garth would later record that song. It would go on to define his career. And Tony said, I now tell people this. Now listen to Tony's words. Just remember this. You literally never know who's listening and what impact that one person may have on your life. You literally never know. you might think I've only shared my faith with 12 people, but you literally never know that a UPS driver writing a song would have a country boots retail salesman listen to a song and take that thing platinum to where the thing records it. and millions upon millions. Have heard this song Gar said I can't imagine my life without the dance and I wonder how many people in this room would say I can't imagine my life without the seed someone sowed into me you literally never know when you sow it into somebody else who's listening and what impact they could have on this side of eternity so, in conclusion, I've gone over time. I want to finish with this. I just want to ask two quick questions. For the believers in the house, here's my question for you How long's it been since you've sown a seed? How long's it been since you told somebody about your salvation in Jesus Christ? How long's it been since you told someone Jesus saved you from an eternity of hell? Maybe it's time to sow seeds. Remember, sowing is up to you, results are up to God. Sowing is up to you, results are up to God. And, and let me also, on a side note about sowing, can I encourage you? For those who sow financially here at Lift Church, I just wanted you to know, thank you for your prayers for Hurricane Ida and what just happened. But I want you to see what Pastor Scott just planted. This is the church I gave my life to uh, in 2002. And uh, we are sowing $5,000 into hurricane relief (laughs) efforts. Not for the leadership or the staff of that church, though that would be a worthy endeavor. Pastor Scott said we're taken care of. They can't have church today because they're still without power and temperatures are above 90 degrees down south. They sowed $30,000 into launching this church, and we're starting by sowing a seed back into their people, and so that in their community, they're just going to spread seed to people who've been affected by Hurricane Ida, and who need some hope and salvation. They're going to find it at the house of God. Somebody get excited about that. Going to just sling a little bit of seed. Here's the second question, and I'll finish with this. If you're, if you're here and you're still inquiring about God, if you're saying, I'm just checking things out, I, I don't even know how I ended up here, then I told you I would only ask you one question. Here it is. How's the soil of your heart? Is your heart become hard, calloused? Ain't nothing getting in here. Nothing's going to penetrate this. I got this thing on lockdown. Maybe you've been hurt before and no one's going to hurt me again. Can I tell you, Jesus isn't interested in hurting you. In fact, he let other people hurt him so that you can be healed of your hurts and wounds. He offers you life. He offers you freedom and abundant life. Is your heart hard, calloused, or is it open, soft, permeable? You say, Pastor, I might receive a seed today then I would say to you, you can receive that right now. God, in this place, I pray that you work on every heart that our soil would become soft in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Drew, that's me. I need a change. I've become hard. I've become tough. i become jaded. And I need a change. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor Drew, would you pray for me? I want to open up to what God has in store for me. With no one looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. But you just raise your hand high so that God sees your response. And just say, Pastor Drew, include me in that prayer. That's me. That's me. That's me. Yeah. 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 I see hands all over the place. If you're online and you say, that's me, just write in the chat, include me in that prayer. Let's pray, Lift Church. Everyone who raised your hands, I want you to pray along with the church and I need you to mean every word you say as we repeat this. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm a sinner. I've made so many mistakes. I know I've hurt you and I haven't done right. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm sorry, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. That you came down from heaven you lived a perfect life and you died in a guilty position on a cross you were beaten for my sin so I could be free help me to live for you help me to honor you I give you my life you are my Lord you are my Savior and I'm going public in Jesus name I pray And the church said, amen.